Welcome to another episode of Unqualified News with your host M, Mauricio. That's me. This is episode number 48. This is my third time record two two times I recorded things where I just not I, I just delete they're not deleted but they're just never nobody's ever going to hear them because I, I recorded it and then a day after the, there was a mass shooting and then uh, I recorded another one and then a couple of days after there was another mass shooting. I appreciate you guys and gals tuning in to another episode of course but I feel like I have to bring up the elephant in the room that is all these mass shootings that are happening. I've had recorded previous episodes and uh, the shootings you know in uh, Buffalo hadn't happened the shootings in Uvalde hadn't happened it just didn't seem right to, to release them because of the just the stupid stupid things I was talking about just silly this is the issue with with doing uh, uh, this news podcast and a lot of the times if I'm not quick it becomes old news very very fast you know I think the last episode I was talking about Will Smith probably Will Smith slapping you know somebody uh, the Ukraine and Russian war that kind of hit the back burner with a lot of these shootings right now any every every news outlet that I that I listen to every podcast that, that covers the news everybody is talking about the uh, Uvalde uh, school shooting and before that they were talking about what happened in Buffalo I feel like I, I wouldn't ma- I wouldn't do it justice to just give it a two minute three minute little uh, monologue on this um, but I think it's worth it's worth taking a look at mental health a lot of these mass shootings i heard an old fart say hey you know what when i was in high school i was able to take my shotgun to school we all took our shotguns to school we took our shotguns we showed them to our teachers and their teachers were like wow that's a nice shotgun and there was no school shootings and that got me you know that got the old noggy thinking you know well back then you know in the 50s whatever 60s even probably 70s maybe there wasn't really a lot of pharmaceutical drugs right Oh, I know. I see you guys rolling your eyes already. I see you guys rolling your eyes. Fine, fine, fine. It's the ARs then. Let's just stop selling guns. Nobody can have guns. And uh, if you've listened to Unqualified News in the past, you know you, you know what's going on in Myanmar, right? Where they're not allowed to have guns. And then the military came and took over the whole country. I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys are aware of that. I'm pretty sure you guys are aware of a lot of areas in countries where guns are not allowed, where governments take over. I know... That sounds super extremist. That sounds very extremist. But you you have to, you have to, that has to run through your mind. You know, what about fine? Let's take away all the guns. Do you think all the all the quote unquote bad guys? What do you think? Do you think they go into a gun store and they put in, they give their ID, they wait their 10 days, and then they get a gun? Do you think that's how bad guys get guns? Let's be realistic here. They don't. But with that said, I think in the future I need to have a sit-down with somebody that I can balance thoughts and ideas off of when it comes to uh just gun violence or just gun laws you know uh, this is unqualified news you know i'm not a pro i'm not i'm not qualified to even be talking i don't own any weapons i would you know and i mean i i could i would I, i'm not saying I, I wouldn't do it i would i would do it i would get a gun i mean i would feel safer i think right sometimes when i'm home alone with my son and i think about somebody just breaking in the door what am i really gonna do i've thought of those type of situations you know and what what am i really gonna do the first thing i'm gonna do is say hey let me grab my son let me get out of here this is your house you know that's the first thing i'm gonna say and i've thought of that i've thought of that but uh maybe with a weapon maybe there's a different route i don't know but with that said qualifiers that was a lengthy intro 
On episode 48, I wanted to make it somewhat of a recap on a lot of stories that Unqualified News has brought you guys and gals in the past. And a lot of them, you, you guys have already heard these type of stories, uh, most likely through me or, or, or any other. First story I bring you guys is from Myanmar. Qualifiers, remember Myanmar was taken over by a military coup back in February of not 2022, 2021, I believe, or I think 2020. It's been it's been a couple years now of pure military control the people not really being able to do anything about it that's happening in Myanmar and I have a news article from Al Jazeera on that I also found a pretty neat article from mexiconewsdaily.com and it's talking about and it basically mentions the president Lopez Obrador turning a blind eye to organized crime which is cartel I mean this this whole you know uh article is saying he's not he's not he's not he's not but based on the actions that he did he he's turning a blind eye he's just basically saying no there's no cartels he's not saying cartel but he's saying organized crime um but we all we all know it's cartels and he's basically saying that they don't exist or whatnot but you got to listen to that he's uh he's just denying it so also here i bring you again a story from xinjiang china and uh, the Uyghur genocide that's happening there. I've brought a couple of these lengthy articles to you guys uh, on this region there in Xinjiang, China, where uh, basically there's a lot of minorities living there. This, this land, this region is very rich in minerals and just rich in land. A lot of the minorities that are just being displaced, put into internment camps, put into like work camps, um, you know, to make products for Westerners, right? And that one's from heritage.org. I didn't purposely put any uh, articles here that had to do with the Uvalde shootings and uh, the shootings that happened in Buffalo, just because I feel like I, I need to do it a full episode, just really breaking down what causes someone to do something like that. Really, really, truly breaking it down because we only hear the 20 second 10 second uh sound bites from the news you know even for me here you know you're, you're just kind of hearing a little sound bite i'm not really giving you in depth anything right now if you turn on the news everybody's blaming the police in the uvalde uh shooting everybody's saying the police officers stopped everybody from running in I, I honestly truly don't know who to believe on this one i don't know if there was a reason why they didn't run in i just don't i'm not sure 100 percent on that one so before anything before uh bef i just i rather really I just rather really get my facts right on this, especially these type of stories. I don't mind being wrong when I'm talking about the cartel or whatever else, but when I'm talking about something that's as heavy as um, children's lives being taken away like that, uh, I feel like I gotta do it more justice. Alrighty, onward with the episode. Shadowy pro-military militias target Myanmar's anti-coup movement by Andrew Nakinson and Kiao Hassan Hakliang. A month ago, the body of a man was found dumped by the side of the road in Myanmar's central city of Mandalay. The victim had been stabbed multiple times and his hands tied behind his back, attached to a lanyard around the neck of National League for Democracy (NLD). Member Sa Giao, the killers had left their calling card, a red circle depicting a warrior holding two swords. 
The circle is the symbol of a new pro-military death squad terrorizing Myanmar called Tue Tuak Apwe, which roughly translates to the blood drinking group. According to an NLD statement, Sa Gui was among 14 party members or supporters killed by Tuai Tong or similar groups between April 21st and May 5th, including the brother of a party lawmaker and an NLD village administrator. Since then, the violence has continued. Those who openly advocated for the NLD before the last general election are all now living with anxiety and fear because they could be victims of violence at any time, said a Mandalay-based activist who requested anonymity for safety reasons. The NLD won a landslide victory in the elections of November 2020, but the military refused to recognize the result, instead seizing power in a coup when the country erupted in mass protest. The new regime killed hundreds and opponents of the takeover turned to armed revolt. The military leadership, which calls itself the State Administration Council, is struggling to assert control over the country and is stretched thin fighting wars on multiple fronts. Amid the chaos, shadowy pro-military groups have begun emerging, like Tuai Tuak and paramilitary militias known as the Payosadi. The Mandalay activist said Tuai Tuak is believed to be linked to the ultra-nationalist Buddhist hardline group Ma Ba Tha, which was banned under the NLD, and infamous anti-Muslim monk Wirathu. He said, this poses a great concern to those of other religions, especially the Muslim community. Wirathu, a member of Ma Ba Tha, was one of the most vocal supporters of the military's violent crackdown on the mostly Muslim Rohingya which has since been labeled a genocide by the United States and some human rights groups. Wirathu was arrested for sedition shortly before the 2020 election, but was released after the military seized power. While Thwai Thwak was launched in Mandalay, it appears to have become operational in Yangon as well, the country's largest city and former capital. The Burma Human Rights Network BHRN said that on May 20th, a Muslim girl and her uncle were killed by the Thwai Thwak thugs. Kia Win, executive director of BHRN, said the original target had been the girl's brother, whom they believed to be a supporter of the National Unity Government, an administration set up by elected lawmakers in defiance of the coup. When the brother escaped, Thwai Thwak decided to kill his relatives instead. Kia Win told Al Jazeera he was afraid the groups could trigger an anti-Muslim situation. We have received confirmation from on-the-ground teams that yes, these are the same people from Ma Ba Tha who are involved with Thwai Tong and Payasari, Kuai Win said. The military spokesman told a local Myanmar Now newspaper in late April that it supported the Payasadi militias as part of a public security system, but denied any involvement in the Thwai Thuang hit groups. Activists are skeptical. Kia Win said he believes members of Thwai Thuang have been recruited by the military. They must have some kind of training to be able to use such lethal weapons, he said. The Mandalay-based activist agreed. We assume there is a flow of money to those groups either directly or indirectly 
from the SAC, probably through the SAC's stooges, the activist said, calling the group state-sponsored. The military government did not respond to a request for comment. A living hell. Myanmar has the world's longest-running civil war, with decades of violence mostly concentrated in border regions where ethnic armed groups are fighting for political autonomy. But since the coup, violence has spread to the country's heartland, where anti-coup armed groups known as the People's Defense Forces clashed with the military in the regions of Sagaing and Magwai. Here, the military is often supported by the Payasadi. Political analyst David Mathewson said the military relies on groups like the Payasadi and the Tai Tuak to address a long-standing weakness in local intelligence. He said these groups provide the military with local contacts, languages, geography, and supplies, and are instrumental in identifying local resistance actors, arms caches, tax collectors, and support structures. A 26-year-old woman said the Paiswari had turned her village in Saguai's Kalai township into a living hell. I always feel like I'm being watched. It's not only me, but it's the rest of the villagers who are against the coup and support the revolution, she said. The international crisis group said the Paiswari militias were initially formed organically by pro-military networks that included Buddhist nationalists, members of the military's proxy political party, and army veterans before they were co-opted by the generals. In December, Myanmar now reported that 77 Paiswari militias were operating in Sangang, armed with 2,000 guns supplied by the military. The villager in Saigang said Paswati members extort money from villagers and harass women. As a woman, we cannot go out and have to be careful about everything during both the day and night. We can't even ride motorcycles alone at the moment, she said. She said the Paswati members also point out houses of PDF fighters or other supporters of the pro-democracy movement, which soldiers then burn. In April, independent research group data for Myanmar said regime forces had burned down more than 11,000 civilian houses since the coup, around 7,500 of them in the Saigang region. Whether it is the Pyu Sa Hit burning homes in Saigang or the Tai Tuak, Ah Pyu dumping bodies across Mandalay, these are classic terror strategies designed to provoke fear in the population who overwhelmingly support the people's resistance, activist coalition Progressive Voice said in a recent statement. The villagers said it was not just people engaged in armed resistance who were targeted, but even those just trying to provide humanitarian assistance. If we want to donate to internationally displaced people, they don't consider that we are donating to IDPs and accuse us of supporting PDFs. So. We could get arrested or attacked at any time, she said. The Calais PDF declined to comment. Jungle Law Mathiansian said the military's reliance on proxies like the Piswati and Taik Tuak may reflect desperation and also a calculation that extreme violence will prevail. He said some believe these groups existed in a previous manifestation 
and may have been involved in other violent incidents, like the Depayin massacre of 2003, the crackdowns of protesters in 2007, or the assassination of Muslim NLD lawyer Koh Ni in 2017. In an interview spread on the messaging app Telegram, a supposed spokesperson for the Twai Talk said the group was created to counter a campaign of assassinations by the resistance. Anti-military groups are believed to have killed hundreds of local regime administrators and military informers, known as Dalan. While controversial, the tactic has been effective in preventing the military from setting up local governance administrations in many parts of Myanmar, which have instead been replaced by people's administrations teams. We really want democracy, the Twai Tok spokesperson said, even as he threatened to kill not just PDF members, but also NLD supporters, journalists, and their families. They say we should follow the law, but when there is no rule of law, the jungle law comes alive, he said. True to their threats, the group took responsibility for the murder of an elderly man in Yangon in April, whose grandson had joined a PDF. Mathinson warned such tit-for-tat retaliatory violence was spiraling out of control. Revenge becomes the driving factor and is more difficult to control than the hierarchical military force, he said. Mathinson said PDFs and ethnic armed groups should commit to not resort to death squad tactics, embrace just war doctrine, and hold any perpetrators of crimes on their side accountable. But he also said it was a military that caused the breakdown of rule of law, which created the violent atmosphere in the first place. It must be stressed that the ultimate responsibility for all this hell let loose rests entirely with the Myanmar military, he said. And there you have it, qualifiers, guys and gals. That's from aljazeera.com. This episode is about a lot of updates on previous stories that we've had in the past. And in the past, I've, I've uh, covered Myanmar many, many, many times over and uh, especially started covering it a lot during the January 6th insurrection, you know, when, uh, you know, they were supposedly trying to take over uh, the United States. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, because this kind of like shadows that a lot. Basically, in Myanmar, the, the military government, the pro-right, I guess, they actually did take over. It was it would it would have been somewhat like if you know how Biden won, and then Donald Trump said no that didn't happen, and then maybe some generals were on his side, and then they just decided to take over the country. That's basically what happened in Myanmar. So um, I wanna I wanted to um, just this is a an update episode type of situation where I wanted to just kind of touch base with some of the previous stories. Uh, this is a new story, but uh, still in Myanmar under civil war. Heavily armed men control traffic into heart of Sinaloa cartel territory. This one qualifiers comes from MexicoNewsDaily.com. President Lopez Obrador has denied that organized crime controls territory in Sinaloa and other parts of the country after armed men set up a roadblock on a highway over which he flew last Friday. From the vantage point of a helicopter during a tour of northern Mexico, Lopez Obrador inspected the new highway that connects the Sinaloa municipality, Badi Raguato, 
the birthplace of notorious drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, to Guadalupe y Calvo, Chihuahua. Reporters and officials that traveled over land to an event the president held in the latter municipality encountered a checkpoint manned by approximately 10 heavily armed men. The presumed cartel henchmen questioned the journalists and officials before allowing them to pass the blockade, which was set up half an hour from the community of La Tuna, where El Chapo was born and his mother still lives. Asked on Saturday about the presence of armed men on the highway, Lopez Obrador said that fortunately nothing sinister occurred. He conceded that the counter was a frightening experience for the reporters and officials but reiterated that they ultimately had no problem. Speaking to the journalists after a visit to the Picachos Dam in southern Sinaloa, Lopez Obrador said there are people in some parts of the country, not just Sinaloa, who think that they must take care of a region by stopping vehicles and ensuring that weapons aren't brought in. Sometimes there is confusion, but in general, everything is okay, he said, although he conceded that the presence of armed men with military-style equipment in states such as Sinaloa and Jalisco wasn't a good thing. Asked whether criminal groups have taken control of some regions of Sinaloa, the president responded that was the view of the conservatives, a term he frequently uses to describe both his current political opponents and members of past neoliberal governments. That's what the conservatives say, but don't believe them he said, before rejecting the suggestion that criminal groups control other parts of the country. No, 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 no. That's what the conservatives think. I'm not Felipe Calderón, López Obrador said, referring to the former president. He subsequently asserted that his government is free of people of the ilk of Genaro García Luna, Calderón's security minister who was arrested in the United States in 2019 on charges of taking bribes from the Sinaloa cartel. In 2020, Lopez Obrador used the charges faced by Garcia Luna, who remains in prison awaiting trial in the US, to support a claim that Mexico was a narco state under Calderón, who was the president between 2006 and 2012. Early last year, the president rejected a United States government claim that criminal organizations control ungoverned areas that account for about one-third of Mexico's territory. He said Saturday that he felt safe in Sinaloa, a sensation perhaps generated at at least in part by his use of a helicopter rather than a car to traverse the Golden Triangle, a notoriously lawless region of northern Mexico where opium poppies and marijuana are grown. The president said at his Guadalupe y Calvo event at which he primarily spoke about the benefits of the government's tree-planting employment scheme, Sowing Life, that he didn't like the name Golden Triangle, and that the region should be renamed to the Triangle of Good and Hard-Working People, or the Region of Good Neighbors, or something like that. We have to change the name. We have to change the name, because there's a lot of goodness here. We shouldn't stigmatize any area, Lopez Obrador said. And there you have it. That's MexicoNewsDaily.com. And that's Lopez Obrador. I mean, that's straight up just turning a blind eye. He's <laughs> come on. Are you kidding me? He's literally saying that organized crime, which is cartels, don't control any regions. 
he himself saw journalists stopped at a cartel checkpoint and he's boldface straight up saying that uh no no regions are controlled uh and when he does say that they are he says that they're just stopping people uh from bringing in weapons i mean it's come on come on what's happening it's a hard it's a hard it's been corrupt for many 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 years you know this guy here uh pretty sure you know it's going going by the script Alrighty, I missed that jingle. So, it's Trump's truths. As you guys and gals already know, Trump got kicked out of Twitter. So he came up with his own social media platform. It's called Truth. I actually signed up and I was on the waiting list for a couple months uh, and I finally got in. It's for research purposes, of course, you know, I'm doing this for, for my podcast. And here is a truth from Trump. Alright, he's at at real Donald Trump. Twitter is loaded up with bots and fake accounts. Why would anybody want to buy it, especially for $44 billion? What bank would be dumb enough to finance it? Elon better get back to watching his electric car business. Lots of competition. Don't give the radical lefties who have done so much damage to our country a windfall profit. Let Twitter rot in hell. And there you go. That's from Donald J. Trump at Real Donald Trump from truth and there you have it i don't think they have any character limitations because that is a lengthy truth and this one has 7.2 read truths and 19.7 likes there you go qualifiers guys and gals that is a truth from donald j trump on his new platform The Xinjiang police files should prompt action against Uyghur genocide. This one is from heritage.org by Olivia Enos. Looking through the photos of the 2,884 inmates in Xinjiang police files is not for the faint of heart. You scroll as you would on Instagram, past face after face of a people unjustly detained by the Chinese government for no other reason than that they are Uyghur. The first thing I noticed in the photos were their eyes. Some look bewildered, others determined, others tear-filled, others entirely blank. It is surreal to have photographic evidence of the victims of Beijing's genocidal campaign, long known to those of us who work in this field. We have listened to the testimony of survivors and analyzed the satellite imagery of camps uncovered by journalists and experts. We didn't need convincing. We had no doubt the atrocities were happening. But these photos offer something new. Gazing at those photos, it is impossible to deny the humanity of each and every Uyghur, and it is impossible to deny what the CCP is doing to them today. Beyond providing photographic evidence of their mass internment, the Xinjiang police files include speeches of Chinese leaders outlining plans to re-educate and mass intern Uyghurs. There are PowerPoints providing security protocols, including shoot-to-kill orders to ensure that no one escapes. And there is a detailed analysis of the composition of the political re-education camp population. 
The speeches alone are damning as they show a direct linkage between top leaders in the Chinese government and the atrocities being committed. The speech from Zhao Kezi, China's Minister of Public Security, included particularly striking revelations as it directly implicates Xi Jinping in mass internment of Uyghurs. Even though the U.S. government already determined that Uyghurs face ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity, the most difficult legal threshold to meet for genocide is demonstrating the Chinese leadership's intent to destroy in whole or in part a people group. The speeches in the Xinjiang police files go a long way towards proving intent and linking those intentions directly to culprits, culprits who should undoubtedly face consequences for their grave and harrowing actions. Leaders around the globe have no excuse for inaction. The information revealed in these files should lead capitals around the world to strengthen efforts to hold China accountable. In some cases, it already has. Additional tranches of sanctions against the officials identified in the Xinjiang police files are, of course, in order. But the U.S. government should undertake far more concerted efforts to extend safe haven to Uyghurs by designating them to a group of special humanitarian concern and giving them priority to refugee status. The U.S. cannot act alone. Countries around the globe should band together in offering shelter to the CCP's human rights violations. At the very least, they should agree not to repatriate Uyghurs at Beijing's request. Countries must also tie up their efforts to combat the well-documented use of Uyghur forced labor. Complementary measures to the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act signed into U.S. law last year should be implemented all across the world to ensure that no goods produced with forced labor make their way into any market around the globe. Not a day should pass that the U.S. and other countries fail to advocate for Uyghur people, pressing the CCP to close the camps and calling for the release of every last Uyghur held within their ironclad camp doors. The people looking back at us from Xinjiang police files demanded be so. And qualifiers, that's from heritage.org. That's a pretty heavy, a pretty heavy article uh, talking about what's going on in Xinjiang, China. Um, again, this is just a recap on something that I've, uh, I've, you know, brought up in multiple episodes in the past. Uh, Xinjiang, China, where uh, Uyghur Muslims are being killed um, because of religion and because of. Uh, poverty i mean they're being killed because there are the minority people there um i've had episodes uh, about xinjiang in the past and it's pretty hard to really read about it because it sounds like reading about the past it sounds like when you're reading about this genocide that's happening um it sounds like you're you're reading about the past it sounds like there's nothing we can do about it but um there's so much so much that i think we can do you know but um but we're not Guys and gals, qualifiers, listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unqualified News. And if you're listening this far into the episode, I'm basically doing this episode for you. 
Every time somebody tells me, hey, what's going on with Unqualified News? Every time somebody gives me an idea for Unqualified News, every time somebody mentions Unqualified News to me, it kind of like gets me a little pep in my step, you know? It kind of really makes me feel really good. This is a passion project for me. This is something that I don't, I just don't see why I wouldn't do it. Um, talking to myself into a mic and then listening to myself, wow, that's the best. Nah, <laughs> I just, uh, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy reading uh, news articles. I enjoy being up to date with current events. I enjoy history. Years from now, what I'm talking about now will technically be history. That gives me a little jolt, you know? The reason why I do this is because I want my son to be able to listen to his weird old dad talk about the news. Because at that time, what I'm talking about now will be history. And maybe some of these podcasts is going to help him with one of his school projects and how awesome would it be for me to say hey son go listen to episode 48 where i'm talking about xinjiang china and the uyghur genocide you know what i'm saying like uh <laughs> i can't wait for moments like that i can't wait for moments like that all right qualifiers thank you and love you <laughs>